friends, welcome to episode 56 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up to the next level. I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? I'm good. Yeah? I'm good. Yeah? Now we're good? I think we're good now. Okay. <laughs> I got through, I, I had a wonderful meal. I, uh, after a, a bit of chaos, mm-hmm. um, I will say I was discouraged about the scrub launch today. Uh, for those of you who don't follow space news and things like that, uh, SpaceX's launch did not happen today, but it was only due to weather and they did it because they were being careful. Yeah, uh, but we, sorry. Hey, but Saturday's another day and so is Sunday. So I, uh, to, uh, to those of you, uh, who do listen to this later, I sincerely hope that that launch goes well. And I think, uh, it's good for the entire planet in the end. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I'm, I'm in a good mood. Good. I'm in a good. I am in a good mood. I am doing pretty okay today, actually. Uh, all things considered, uh, I yeah. want to hope that everybody out there uh, in our listener land is uh, healthy and happy as well yes. as uh, as well as can be expected right now. It's feeling supported and healthy and loved. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, hope your hope your games are going good if you're still gaming. Yeah. So. Please keep gaming. Help everybody. You know, connect with people. Tell stories. Stay close. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rob. Yeah question for you certainly so have you ever had it where you were starting up a game mm-hmm. okay and you were kind of doing your session zero thing and people were bringing their character concepts to you their character builds to you and whatnot mm-hmm. and you've got a handful of players who are like i think i'm gonna play maybe a wizard this time you know who comes from the desert lands and you're like okay that sounds fun sure oh, i'm gonna play a bard who's maybe a little shy oh okay sure that sure. sounds neat and then you get someone who comes to your table and says i'm playing a four Fourth level warrior, third level warlock, first level bard, who specializes in rapiers and has this feat, this feat, and this feat. Mm. And you know exactly what is going to happen at your table. Yes. Uh, There's a lot of names for that. Yeah. Um, Obviously, the first one that comes to my mind is a combat tweak, twink, Mm -hmm. uh, or a combat monster. Or a min-maxer. A min-maxer. I think a min-maxer is probably the most frequent name for it. Yeah, I think it's the easiest way of of talking about it. And it's something that is often used in a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think all the time. I think min-maxing can be done differently. Uh, But under that context, yeah, it feels negative. It feels like it's anti-game. A little bit. A little bit. I'm here to win. Uh, Yeah, and and that's, I think, think a a lot of the connotation that that min-maxers get. I think that... um, uh, in a lot of ways, they, it kind of becomes synonymous with power gaming. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a bigger discussion to be had there because I don't think that min-maxing is always necessarily a bad thing. And I, I think there's a time and a place for it, you know? Um, so, first off, let's let's talk about what min-maxing is. Okay. Okay. So, for me, personally, mm-hmm. um, I see min-maxing as any time you take a game system and you look at its... Um, you look at its core basic abilities and mm-hmm. stats, and you find a direction, and you needle point your character hard in that direction. If I'm going to be a fighter, I'm going to be the best fighter possible. I'm going to do the most damage. I'm going to be able to maybe tank really well, or I'm going to be able to tank everything and mm-hmm. do a little bit of fighting. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to be a wizard who can literally throw a fireball that does enough damage to wipe out anything on the you know in the area. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, so that I am literally laser focused on my character design toward that end. Kind of a one trick pony, but uh, boy, oh boy, can you do that one trick really good. 
Um, yeah, and it, it kind of has the same definition to me. Is it's just uh, not necessarily a a power gamey thing, but uh, that yeah, you want to be laser focused on doing the best, most efficient job that you can. Um, I think you know, like uh, knocks in the box, and we were originally broaching this topic, uh, soliciting questions for the for the show tonight on the Discord. Uh, was even saying like, uh, you know, isn't, isn't that just efficient? And and yeah, it it kind of is. It it is, and I think that is there are layers to uh to dealing with uh min maxing. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think you can say. I mean, you can definitely say there's a level of efficiency. Yeah, sure. Which I think Shadowrun you have to be efficient in. Right, right. If you're not efficient in Shadowrun, your character is going to be all over the place, and it's going to feel cumbersome. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're not efficient in Seventh C, that really doesn't matter much. Like you're, you can still play and enjoy the game com- yeah. in a completely different way. You, you still bring some skills to the, to the table because Correct. there's 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 kind of a lot of different flavors in there. And I I think you know min maxing, of course, really has a, a, a different connotation in different um, uh, in different framework. You know, oh totally. So, I mean, I if we're playing a highly social game of D and D, if I bring a bard with a you know fifteen persuasion stat, right? Uh, then obviously I'm you know min maxed for that. Correct. But I'm not going to be min maxed necessarily for combat. Not in the least. You know. You know, if you're a support character, you're not going to be le- you're you're not going to be going after pinpoint characters. You're not going to be doing DPS or damage per second. Mm-hmm. You know, as as people said. So I think in tactical games it comes out a lot more and the more tactical the game the more min maxing is a re- almost requirement yeah because yeah, exactly. you be, you fill a role in the game and a lot of times um you can tell the age of a player in in the number of games that they've played or the number of systems they played by the time that they come into the game and they look at everybody and go okay what do we need and at that point right. you realize you're no longer playing a character you're playing a role and then adding a character at level two that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know these people. They're in every yeah. one of our games where they don't really care what they play, what right. class it is. They're going to play a character in that world, but they're going to mid-max the math so they don't have to think about anything. Mm-hmm. They know their role. Yeah. You know? And I some, sometimes I feel that simplifies things. I do that. When I'm stepping into another person's game, if it's an existing game and existing people and everything, I'll just go, where do I fit? Yeah. So what do you What are you missing? I mean, you and I had that discussion. Yeah. Uh, not long ago about about your game. Yeah. You know, I was uh, tossing around the idea of bringing the new character because I didn't really know where my old character fit right. in the story, and we also realized that we had a pretty big gap in the group mm-hmm. because our one cleric, our one healer, mm-hmm. was a destruction cleric <laughs> who liked who followed a god of destruction and liked dealing damage and thunderous rage down upon people. God, that's going to be fun. And so. practically never carried a healing spell. So we were like, what if she doesn't want to heal? Uh, what so, do we do? And so so the question came up, what, what what would I do to fill that gap? Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't a character move. It was a it was a move of how do I bring a needed skill to the table to fill a gap, you know? Yeah, and I, I and and to your point, Knox, you're talking about us. If you you have social and combat uh, systems that are different, and you min max for each one of those, I think uh, in cases like D and D where the social system is technically kind of part and parcel because it's still the system. Mm-hmm. You're still leaning into that. It's not like I'm just combat tweaking, or I'm just I'm skill tweaking, or I'm or I'm I'm combat tweaking. I think is the split there. Um, it's, uh, you know, you also have to deal with games that really don't give you that capability. Right, right. You know, where your min-maxing happens for you. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's where things start stepping away from it. But let's, I don't want to get into that just yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We gotta, um, we're kind of jumping around on yeah, topics so, already. So, so there, the, I guess the first question that I have to ask in that is, um, the grade of it, um, is it a matter of the system that drives it, the player that drives it, or the storyteller that drives the need for min-maxing? Right. And uh, I, honestly, I think all of them. Okay. I think all of them under under certain circumstances. You know, for for instance, uh, it's a system driving it. Like sure. you said, Shadowrun. You mm-hmm. know, Shadowrun is a very uh, it's 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 a game based around a specific activity. Okay, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of, at least in my experience, a lot of like just day to day slice of life RP that takes place in Shadowrun. Right. Typically, you have a group of runners that get together, hired by a Johnson to do a specific espionage shadow run, mm-hmm. uh, a, a mission essentially for right. corporate espionage purposes. Right. And that's what the game is based around. So, you first off. To fit in that world, you have to have a particular set of skills. Skills that could become very... Inc- Wait a minute. Um, <laughs> I love that you went but, there. But you do, though. You yes. do, though. You, no, have to, you have to bring something to the table. Yes. So, you know, very much like like a lot of your... Uh, Shadowrun styled is it's basically uh, styled around a lot of, like, your heist movies. You know, you've got mm-hmm. your wheelman, you've got your safe breaker, you've mm-hmm. got your muscle, you've mm-hmm. got your whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, but just take that into, you know... 2050 or 2060 or what are we on 2070 now something like that um, if, if overwatch was here we'd know exactly uh but you know if, if, if you're not bringing something to the table if you're not min maxed into something you know you need to have a set of skills that makes you the wheel man or makes you the safe cracker or the makes you arm. the muscle yeah you know or or the face or the whatever fa- yeah. you want to do you know yeah. Um, and so you almost need to be min-maxed into something like that. Or you're right. going to get people killed and you're just going to fail at your job. Well, and also I would say that the the game, and, and I'm probably going to get a little mm-hmm. flack from this, but mm-hmm. even I think uh, some, of her, some, some of our other people who've played it for a long time will admit this, 95% of the book is how to work within the combat tactics of the system. Yeah, yeah. There's very little in that game beyond story and conjecture about how to role-play in that world. Mm-hmm. And I think that scales it in that direction. Like, the, it doesn't outright discuss how to handle backgrounds. Right. Or right. how to handle history. Or how to handle interaction with things. It gives you the world. It tells you a lot about it. But it expects within the 20 questions for you to answer those and kind of come up with something. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do think it's respectful. I think it does it well. But in the end, if I go and play a Shadowrun game like I did at Gen Con... There's almost no role playing in that game. Right, right. It's just the role playing is flavor on top of a tactical game. How am I doing my job? Correct. I, I kind of liken Shadowrun a little bit to like Cyberpunk Pokemon. No, it's not because a bad way. When you're building your Pokemon team, you know, you got your six Pokemon, you want to have a good fire one, a good electric one, just in case you run across a water type, you know, yep. and you, you just throw it out and it's like, Johnson used Decker. Decker used Matrix Attack. It's super effective. You yes, know? <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and then every once in a while you get, you know, your random Team Rockets jumping in and screwing everything up. Exactly. Who are funny and ridiculous. So, um, so then you step away from um, Shadowrun. Yes, it did wound me. I will say that, Nox. It wounded me. Uh, but it's not the only time I've played Shadowrun outside of uh, of table games with friends, and each time it's been very technical. Yeah. And I understand it. I get it. 100%, it's a game that's heavy on numbers, and you have to get through those technical mm-hmm. moments. But I think some storytellers overweight it. That's all. Yeah. 
Um, that being said, you start gauging back to things like D&D, which do incorporate things like backgrounds and do incorporate things that have story weight that really don't have a weight on combat at all. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that I get a miscellaneous item that is a broken sword and I have to explain why I have it. Right. You know, or what's, or in some systems, like, why do I have a bond to another character? Mm -hmm. How does that affect my combat readiness or my ability to cast spells or ability to charm other people? It doesn't. It doesn't at all. Right. It is. It feels like a separate system. The role playing is a separate system. Mm-hmm. And I think in that it is gaining some weight to it. It's no longer 90% of the book to it. It's a little less. But but do, do, does the presence of things like that um, mean that you can't min-max in the system? Oh, God, no. I, I still think you can. I think there are systems that 100% kind of lean you out of being able to do that. Mm-hmm. And that two min-max in them means kind of being violent to the system and the heart of where it's going yeah yeah i think i think that's a great way of putting it violent to the system almost like almost like like spitting in the spirit of the of of the game itself the game's meant to be played one way and you're almost wrenching it back around on itself and just saying like no we're gonna we're gonna do it this way we're gonna do it this way and fighting tooth and nail to get numbers crunched into it yeah yeah um, and, and I think that's just somebody who's not playing the system. They're, they're playing a different system. Yeah. And I, I, I think, you know, certain systems, uh, uh, attract the min maxing sort of players and certain, you know, game systems simply by virtue of how they're built, um, just simply aren't optimal for it. Well, I agree with that because I, I, but I think some players need, and and enjoy the numbers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not making a. There's a va- reason why people play Eve. Statement. Let's just go on with that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Look, I, I I'm not making a value statement. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying. That, and I'm not that, saying that I didn't play Eve. A... I played Eve. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I played it for a very short period of time too. Hey, hey, hey! You stop typing right now, Heatsink. I see that. I see that. <laughs> I'm trying to defend this moment. <laughs> yep, yep. But uh, no, like, but that's the thing is, is that there's a certain love by people for those game types Mm -hmm. and i see it and i understand it oh absolutely and it makes a lot of sense to me but at the same time you're gonna have other players who are looking at that like i want nothing to do with that like this this is just troublesome to me and i i would much rather just enjoy the story Mm -hmm. like why why do we have to deal with like 20 minutes of combat right and 10 minutes of, of of talking about my character I mean, I, I, you know me. I'm, I'm typically a lot more of a role player than I am a, uh, a min maxer. Way more. But, but at the same time, though, there are certain times when I would really like the power to back my words up, mm-hmm. and being able to have a character that is in a position to snap their fingers and just, you know, wreck the entire table. Yes. Is kind of nice. No, it's and it and it's good when you can be that person and have those dramatic moments and enjoy the flavor of those scenes. Um I mean th- th- there's something to be said that if you can be Batman always be Batman. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's and, that's kind of the story there. And again, if Overwatch were here, <laughs> he would be Batman right now. And and that's the thing is is that if you can do it why not mm-hmm. lean in that direction? It doesn't mean you have to force yourself, but if you're capable of understanding all of the mechanics to a system, there's no reason not to enjoy the system. And because you know the mechanics of the system, now you can enjoy the other aspects of it. Exactly. And exactly. honestly, that's that's a very valid way of going. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've watched a lot of good poker players mm-hmm. enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. They don't They don't play to win. 
They play to enjoy the game because they understand the game. Yep. But they're amazing at it. And they could cripple people and do sometimes when they realize someone else is no longer letting other people enjoy the game. Right, right, right. And that's rude. Um, so I think any system can do that. I mean, shit, we could be playing Monopoly with role-playing. It's a standard system, but you could min-max Monopoly and really ruin it for everyone. You, you absolutely can. Yes. And I think that kind of analogy falls into story, is a, a very easy way to look at any tabletop system. Because Monopoly does have worlds. You can go and buy different worlds of Monopoly, mm-hmm. and literally, I've seen it almost at every one of my games that I've ever played of Monopoly with people, people roleplay. Mm-hmm. It happens. You just do it. You naturally fall into it. You you play up the world a little bit. Mm-hmm. But there's always, well, not always, but sometimes there's somebody at that table who is just playing effing Monopoly. Yeah. They don't care about what the world is. They don't care about who's doing what there and how they're having fun with it. There's a they're goal. They're there to win there's a the goal freaking in this Monopoly game. And game. I'm going to win it. Yep. Yeah. Um, when do you think, uh, when do you think that, that it can be helpful? When do you think that, 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 like, where do you think is a situation where uh, min-maxing actually enhances the game for people? Because it's such a narrow scope in min-maxing, I think it helps people because it can simplify what they need to know. So, for instance, uh, a good example is my wife was playing Shadowrun with us, and she basically said, I don't want to play something challenging. Mm-hmm. I don't want to play a Decker. I don't want to play a you know a Street Samurai. I I just I just want to play a simple in my and without missing a beat. Overwatch looked at her and said, "Play a troll. Mm-hmm. Just be a physical troll, just giant a piece troll of meat, beat ass. Yep, and just have a shit ton of luck." Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. How does that work? Whenever you feel like it, scoop up some of that luck and roll it. Hmm. What happens when I punch somebody? You have this pool of dice. <laughs> you have this bucket <laughs> right here. And and it simplified the game for her, and it allowed her to be silly and fun mm-hmm. and not worry about things. Yeah, exactly. And I think we do that in digital games all the time. When someone comes into a new game to a system that other people have played for a long time, mm-hmm. oftentimes they'll ask, what's easy? As, I think it's where, the... where, like, fighters got the represent- re- reputation for being the easiest D&D class. Because at yep. the end of the day, a fighter is just min-maxed towards swinging a weapon. Mm-hmm. And what's the most basic combat mechanic? Swinging a sword. Swinging a sword. How many times do I get to swing it? Yeah. What right. is the dice for my sword? Yeah, exactly. That's that's the simplistics of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, can it get complex? Of course it can. Can you min-max down an aisle? Of course. And D&D specifically pushes you to mid-maxing mm-hmm. without a doubt if all you do is follow a single class down its line and get its specializations and get its specifications and keep going you are going to fall into a very narrow scope that ends with something like rogue assassin of the dark order you know poison right. specialist you know right. whatever at the very end of that and that's where you end. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a painted path with a straight arrow with only a few doors on the side that you can 100% ignore. Mm-hmm. Whereas with something like Shadowrun, once you get past character creation, the sky's pretty much the limit. Yeah. And that can get very daunting. Um, What can you do? Right. Anything. So oh, good. Okay. So, so min-maxing, I think, helps simplify things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I also think that there's um, a, a place where min-maxing is actually probably required a little bit. Okay. Uh, so, like, I'm thinking certain, uh, like, D&D modules 
like Dungeons of the Dungeon of the Mad Mage comes to mind. Mm. Um, just I've never played Dungeons of the Mad Mage, but uh, I've seen some stuff uh, online where they're like. Uh, okay, so we were going into this fight, and uh, the big bad evil guy in this room TPK'd us in one turn, huh. you know, yeah. sort of stuff. So, like, if you're bringing a fluff character into Dungeon of Mad Mage, and you're not optimized to you're do gonna get your damage, ass you're handed just going to you. get your ass beat, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be a Spanked liability to your team. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, kind of along the Shadowrun lines, you got to kind of build for it, mm-hmm. you know. And so uh, I, I think that's there's definitely a time and a place. Um, you mentioned earlier where sometimes it was set by the group. Yeah. You know, and so even if you're not running something like Dungeon of the Mad Mage, like, a, like a, a, an ultra hard module, that might just be the play style of your group. You know, that yeah. might just be the type of game that your storyteller wants to put out there if your group agrees to it. You know, um, this is, it's, it's a great discussion to have during your session zero is what is going to be the tone of our game? Well, we've talked you know? about that in our previous things is yeah. that anytime a storyteller is going to present something, they need to present what flavor you're going for, what tone. Yeah. I mean, if it's going to be, if everyone knows it's going to be a dungeon crawl with 90% combat and 5% conversation and role play, then everybody knows that they're going to have to fulfill roles. Right. Because it's right. going to be very grindy. There's going to be a, a, literally a lot of goblins getting their ass spanked and you dying because you reached troll and didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, versus a conversational story, you know, where everyone understands that their combat is going to be 20% of the game. And 80% of the game is going to be skill use and investigation and discovery and chatting with people mm-hmm. and dominating them or, you know, or intimidating them or persuading them or being romantic in some way and kind of alluding to thing like in the case of 7th C, you know, those types of story elements. So you have to be prepared as a storyteller to either tell them what the story is going to be and see who's going to fall in as mm-hmm. players or be receptive of the changes to that and say, okay, well, I'm going to back off and let you adapt. Yeah. Tell me how you want the story to be played out. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and of course, you know, we talked about rules, grindy games where oh God, it's, yeah. it, it's just built right into the rule system, very much like Shadowrun and such like that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. All right. So where does it, where does it just not fit? I would say there's, uh, you start sliding away from it when you start getting story focused. So games where, Really, it's more about investigation and and discovery of the plot and characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Amber is an example of this. I think Fate is an extreme example As of this. As a diceless system, I see, and, and this is the thing is a disservice to myself. I, I've not re- actually read the rules for Amber, so I don't. I don't even know right. how you would power game or you know min max in a system with no you know no dice you can still do it and that's the thing even in like fate you can do it if you know the game that you're going to be playing oh is it just like ability a plus ability c plus ability d right or or knowing how to to write your character story so that you're better than everyone i mean it's again it's breaking the system yeah um, so that you're in an advanced position and it feels weird to ev- everyone else knows it. Like you can feel when that happens in a mm-hmm. story. Um, and then you have stories where there is some character creation, but you're already min maxed. Like you really can't get any farther when you got games like urban shadows, mouse guard, um, uh, the, uh, a new game that I was looking at city of mist, um, which mm-hmm. I'll, I'll address a little bit. These are games where you still have character creation, but really your character is already at an apex point. Yeah. Like you're, you're there. This is your power set. 
you're not really growing in said power set so much as you're growing in your story. Yeah, God, like even with especially with like Urban Shadows and really all the the uh, mm-hmm. powered by the apocalypse systems, yeah, there's I, not Apoc really games. any any of the uh, like typical character creation stuff. Not at all. Where it's really like okay, check two things off of this list. Yeah. Okay, distribute four points into your attributes, or or just select the select moves. Yeah, you get three. You get three, and it's and the moves are like power move. You know, make a change. You know, they're they're not so they're broad, sort of. They're statements. descriptive statements. Correct. Yeah. So, like, yeah, your character's literally seventeenth son of Zeus. That that's who you are. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know anything else about your. You don't know how you came into existence, but you're a son of Zeus, right? Mm-hmm. That your power sets are make a move. You can change the world, but only a little. You know, and gives you a rough example of what that means. You know, things like that where the power is so broad that it is more of a conversation between you and the storyteller on what you're doing when you do that. Yeah. And yeah. less about, I am a finite thing and I did 19,000 points of damage. Right, right. You know? it's, it's, you're, it's not your plus three battle axe, plus your battle axe mastery, plus your sneak attack, plus right. your, yeah, you know. It, but at the same time you do tend to lean automatically into something. Like, if I'm a ghost, most of my spectral powers are going to be pretty freaking badass. Well, yeah. But I'm pretty much crappy at everything else. Sure, I'm sure. not much of a talker, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going to be there holding you a cup of tea. I mean, I mean, you're, you're still going to, you're still going to end up at as things that you do good at. Like, uh, we talked a little bit about fate. Um, my, most of my experience with fate is with the Dresden Files, uh, setting. And, you know, so you're still going to have your archetypes, your supernatural archetypes. Like, wizards are going to be good at magic. Like, inherently, if you build a wizard, that's just what you're going to do. It's not that you're min-maxing. It's just that that's where your particular skill set lies. Exactly. You know? So, I mean, I don't think it's min-maxing necessarily to have a skill set. No. It's just when you really start crunching the numbers to eke out that last little 2% of, you know... Right. And I think also that when you try to manipulate the story to fit all of your powers all of the time. Right. So, yeah, there's that old phrase that I love using. um, You know, if if all you have is a hammer, every problem starts to look like a nail. I think it's more along the lines of you tell your storyteller this is a nail at all times. Well, that's that's what I was going to say is trying to manipulate as many nails onto the table as possible because all you brought was a hammer. Right. And it's the best damn hammer you could make with that with that role playing system right but yeah when you start trying to manipulate the story into a bunch of nails yeah like your character is great at fire you can light anything on fire and flame and blah 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 you know and oxygen and whatever and then literally in every situation you get into the first thing you do is light the room on fire or create fire or try to burn something so that you have the upper hand at all times. Like, I walk around with a Bic lighter playing with it. That's my trait. That's my knack. Mm-hmm. I just constantly flip open a Bic lighter at all times. And if I can't do that, I'm, I I just don't involve myself in the situation. But that's right. what I... You're like, wait a minute. So at all times, you have a flame available so that you can just light something on fire. Okay, okay, okay dude. Okay, yeah, you're... You know, but I'm just finicky. That's all I'm doing. But literally in every scene when combat happens, well, I have my bick open, so I'm just going to immediately start a fireball. Yeah, exactly. You're always prepared, Mary Sue. Always? Always. So, and I think that's, uh, I think that's where things tend to lean to, Mm -hmm. is that you're always prepared to win. 
you're always able to win with the power set that you have. And that's that right there is when it starts straying into power gaming. Mm-hmm. And and we'll get to that in a second, but I, I actually want to grab something that happened in our live chat right now. Sure. Um, so Knox in the Box, uh, who I, uh, I've mentioned before, is in the gaming group with me that, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that uh, my boyfriend Heatsink runs. Um uh, I want stories of weak. Oh, sorry. No, he says uh, uh, Knox has a ni- plus nineteen to stealth. That seems pretty min max, huh? Plus twenty nine with pass without a trace. Epic boons. Um, no, I don't think that's min maxy at all because you didn't build your character specifically that way. In fact, when you were building your character, the one thing you kept saying is, "I don't want to play a ninja. I hate playing ninjas. I hate stealth." You liked all the other abilities in the shadow monk build mm-hmm. but you did not like the stealth aspects and you did not want to play a ninja mm-hmm. it turned out that way that you have if the wizard of the group cast pass without a trace and with the epic boon that you didn't ask for mm-hmm. that you just happened to get as a story reward because we did some good things for a powerful character in our story that you ended up with a plus 29 in stealth under certain circumstances that's not min-maxing at all. You didn't ask for that. Sometimes you set yourself in a direction, and other times that direction is set before you. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, you stumbled into Ninja, and you're good at it now. Or so you could say, it. it's fate. Ooh. Ooh, do the spooky voice. It's fate. Ooh. Say it again, Mufasa. <laughs> Mufasa. <laughs> no, so, I, I, I think there's a certain point at which... Um, you get and i i come to this and i know that the moment that i use this Mm. overwatch is going to jump on the channel and just scream blasphemy it's going to (laughs) happen i've always had a feeling about people when you play games Uh that you come to an evolution as a as a player Mm -hmm. that you you develop to where you want to be and you you see the playing field around you Mm mm-hmm you know, whether you really want to get more into role-playing, whether you want to do things. But at a certain point, everybody kind of twinks. Everybody plays with the numbers. Everyone sure. tries to make the perfect version of themselves sure. so that they can be the best and win everything. It's fun. And believe me, it's a lot of fun. I do it in video games all the time. A mm-hmm. lot of people do. Um, but a lot of times you just kind of want to sit back and play something different. Mm-hmm. You want to play it casually. And you do. You, you you make a character that has some weird power sets and odd numbers and things don't make perfect things because you want to enjoy the story of your character. Mm-hmm. You give them odd flaws, you know, whether it's like maybe they have like a fetish for leather. And so anytime like they're involved, like even the worst boss comes into the room and like, you know, you, you step up and you're like, excuse me. I, I, you know, I, I know we're about ready to fight, but I have to ask, where did you get that doublet? Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks fantastic. The leather trim is perfect on it. Or you like know, my old character, the gladiator who was addicted to magic. Exactly. And would chug random, uh, random potions. Right. Out of their pack. That wasn't something that I ever had to control as a storyteller for that character. You did it naturally. Mm-hmm. It was something that you put into the game and some systems put in those flaws as something that storyteller can play with. And other times, players naturally just do it. And I think when you get to a certain point and you're you're comfortable enough with systems and games, you do it. You just pull those things out. And I think that is an evolution. Mm-hmm. I think that, that pushes you as an individual beyond what you're comfortable with of a system 
because you are comfortable with it. You've come to own yeah. who you are at your roots, and now you're prepared to start doing things mm-hmm. that maybe deep down inside you really always wanted to do. Now, see, uh, uh, Heatsink in the uh, uh, in the live chat here is uh, actually bringing up a very good point too. Um, and uh, so he's a bit of a min maxer himself. On uh, what he says is, I do min maxing to learn the system. Uh, first, I do it with a new system. Uh, I build a character and see how I can break it or min max. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you know the limits, you have a better understanding. And so, yeah, that's a perfectly valid no, reason to do so is just to learn the play space. You I know? think that's I think that's common for digital or tabletop games. See how far the numbers can be Always pushed in push. any direction so yeah. you understand what the limits of those numbers are. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you understand where your middle ground is. You understand what's weak, what's strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I sat down a number of times with friends in multiple systems mm-hmm. and made characters and pushed numbers and tried things just to see how far, like, how much AC could I get out of something? Yeah. Whether I went dexterity or armor. Sure, sure. You know, or what's the big, how could I best maximize spells? Or is there a way that we could get a ranger to do more damage <laughs> than a rogue? I saw something online the other day that was a halfling barbarian dexterity tank okay yeah it was exactly that though it was ramping up decks as much as you possibly could and then getting the unarmored bonus that that barbarians get and just trying to become the best tank you possibly could mm-hmm. as a naked halfling that's funny and it worked remarkably well i bet it did <laughs> all right all right so let's 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 get move on a little bit all right um when is it helpful when is it helpful? Uh, again, I think I think in because uh, you asked me, yeah. So, um, I th- I think like I said, in, in certain circumstances, it can it can it can definitely help to uh, if you've got a more combat tactical, you know, crunchy game going on. Um, you're definitely going to want a min max. It's going to make you enjoy the game more. It's going to make you less of a liability to your uh, to your to your other party members and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that in a certain way, uh, like you you mentioned earlier, you know, coming in as a latecomer to a game or something like that, and you mm-hmm. say, "Well, where am I needed? Yeah, what what does what does the party lack?" Mm-hmm. And I think the next inevitable thing that happens there when it said, "Okay, well, we lack a healer." Is you immediately make a life, uh, you know, a life pa- uh, uh, cleric mm-hmm. or something like that, that. But you might make them funny or you might make them different. Oh, sure. You know, and, and min-maxing doesn't mean that you're not going to have role-play potential or, or, or right. anything like that. It just means that you're going to take all the numbers, the numerical values mm-hmm. of your character and slant them as far in a particular direction as you can. Right. Um, while still being fair and within the system. Mm-hmm. And helpful to the storyteller. Yeah, exactly. So you may make the absolute, like, I mean, for take take Ravana for instance, mm-hmm. in your game, okay? I made her a pretty damn efficient blaster caster as long as she's casting ice spells. Yep. She's got, she does ridiculous things with ice spells. Without a doubt. And almost all of her repertoire is damaging evocation ice spells. Yes. That take full advantage of it. Yep. Now, if something requires a fireball, well, she's kind of SOL because yep. she's min-maxed into ice. Right. You know? I mean, she can do other things. She can do other things. She's thrown lightning bolts and she flies and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's not that she's a one-trick pony or anything like that, but she does one thing with ruthless efficiency. If you need something blown up with magic or specifically frozen to crystallized, you know, sub-zero temperatures with magic, she's there to do it for you. Right. You know? Don't depend on her for, you know, divination spells or right. transportation spells or anything right. like that, you know? 
No, she knows a little bit of conjuration, but that's only to summon what? An ice elemental. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but I think, I think it's good to have a role within the group, mm-hmm. whether you're that one, you know, the, the latecomer who's saying, well, what, what hole am I filling in the group? Right. Or whether you're just agreed as a group that I'm going to play the fighter, you're going to play the healer, you're going to play the rogue. I think under those assumptions, we're all going to kind of min-max in our own particular directions, you know? Right. Um, and we'll we'll build around that, whatever the story requires. Mm-hmm. I think it's very helpful to have that sort of that sort of purpose and that sort of direction, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think sometimes people forget that there are also um, social positions uh, in games. Sure. Um, the leaders, followers... Um, questioners, things like that, that we just kind of don't really recognize that we fall into those roles, but they, that they come into stories. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that gets la- missed more than the, the, the tactical versions. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess that then that brings up the question is when is it odd? When doesn't it work? Um, like what's the most weird places where it doesn't fit? I think, uh, I think right here where you where you wrote down mouse mouse guard mm-hmm. as a as a as an idea here for for this discussion topic and I think that's probably the one that that fits the most is because I have to constantly be reminded by our storyteller that uh, we do not uh, there's no failure in mouse guard no there's no such thing as failure learning. You, you succeed maybe with some consequences right but but the story will always go forward and you don't fail to do things right you know um, and it's a really odd thing for me to have to grasp mm-hmm. because I've always come from this success failure sort of threshold. Mm-hmm. Um, even in D and D it's all over D and D it's all in world of darkness. You succeed or you don't, you know, there's never this partial success. Well, it's, it's the success or death Yeah. versus success. I mean, and the thing is, is that retreat is rare. Mm-hmm. It, it is rare. It is talked about. But it is rare, and it is not something that is ever seen as something supportive. Right, right. You know, if you retreat it, it means you don't get XP. Right, right. You don't get growth. Whereas with stories like Mouse Guard, it, it, you do get growth. You get growth through failure. In Correct. fact, failure is one of the specific It's a requirement. Mechanics. Yeah, it's a yeah. requirement. You have to fail at certain tasks to be able to advance your skills and such like mm-hmm. that, to have any character advancement. Yeah. So... And and the idea that the story continues one yeah. way or another, like, and that's written right into the rules. It's it would seem very odd to power games because you almost don't want to succeed all the time. There's a mechanic in Mouse Guard for actually hampering the efforts of other people by calling upon your flaws, and you earn what's called a check by doing that. Um, that you can then expend for, you know, you get you get a tangible benefit for doing that. Right. But you actively are sitting there at the table making things harder for people. Yeah. And I, I think that um, games like, games that don't involve success and failure, but more, more lean toward the motion of the story, mm-hmm. don't lend to that either. So yeah, you could win every single fight and still never really grow the story. Mm-hmm. Because it just feels like a it feel it feels like you are growing in a, the wrong direction. You're yeah. moving the story in a constant combative direction, and in a lot of stories, 
that have those kind of moments. And, and I looked at things like Constantine, mm-hmm. you know, where the the people who are constantly victorious in those are typically the villainy mm-hmm. because they have a power edge that they're trying to keep. So I think there's there's something to be said about that. But I, reading our comments, people are already getting to where we're talking about, which is the power disparity. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah. Where you have players that are literally playing characters that are so far on the scale that they are completely and utterly useless, except for in that one capacity, and mm-hmm. literally detrimental in any other capacity. Right, right. Like, oh yeah, I'm a, a fae creature who can literally dish out, you know, 12,000 damage with a bow and can slip into shadows and slip out of them instantaneously and move from point to point. But literally any iron causes me 19 dramatic wounds mm-hmm. and I can't cross running water and I can't be out <laughs> in daylight. And all anyone has to do to stop me is hang a uh, hang a horseshoe Correct. Over, their, over, their do- Correct. over their doorstep. Yeah. Or, or, or any symbol of any religion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, will will literally turn me away. Uh, okay. Oh, and by the way, if there's a baby with insight, I have to steal it. That sounds great. I would love to have that character, she said sarcastically. Right. And it's like, really? How how you... Or you have the players who literally set up all of their detriments to be things that don't exist in the world that is yeah. created. Yeah, that's, that's I think, the big one right there. Is you'll see that a lot um, in, like, the, 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 the uh, unfortunately named merits and flaws yeah. uh, in, uh, uh, in, in White Wolf systems, where yeah. it's like... You know, okay, so my character, uh, it's a, I took one point for smokes, one point for addicted to video games, one point for, you know, all these other things that are basically, and they, and they just kind of pawn them off as normal behaviors and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. those aren't things that are really ever going to, like, unless your storyteller is completely on the ball, but yeah. you've milked, like, four or five extra merit points out of that where you can, like, oh, and So and, now you have a, now, now you have a merit that's a five-point merit that is protected by an angel. Right. Right. You know, and can be called on, you know, once a game mm-hmm. session to literally... Because you smoke and play Fortnite. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think that's leaning a little hard into something. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's one thing if you use that power as something role-playing-wise. And I would, mm-hmm. I would heavily agree that that would be a fun thing to have. At the same time, if you literally use it every combat encounter as literally a secondary damage point, right? You know, to basically just constantly win. Yeah, come on now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that brings us to our to our last point is when does it start becoming power gaming? When you're trying to win, yeah, over the over the storyteller, yeah. not necessarily the story, the storyteller, right? Like right. it is it is when when the tables turn and the storyteller has to try and combat the player. I, um, one of my, one of my worst memories, um, was actually when I was running my adventure game, mm-hmm. um, as, as great as those two sessions were, uh, the, the, the player that I will not name, of course, of course. um, uh, had min-maxed their character in a particular direction with like, uh, dexterity and, uh, such like that. And they did it in such a way that the rules allowed for throwing knives 
to be done with uh, athletics checks, I believe, or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, because they weren't technically a melee weapon. They weren't technically a firearm. So thrown weapons kind of went under athletics. Right. Which was a dexterity-based skill. And then they basically min-maxed everything to athletics so that they could both dodge everything, because that was also, also an athletics mm-hmm. check, climb anything, be anywhere, and also be a combat twink as long as they use throwing knives. Right. And this was in a particularly low-tech low setting because it's the 1920s alternate yep. universe America. Um, and uh, I remember having a combat situation unfold and, like, your character did your thing and you were you were a bruiser. You mm-hmm. punched somebody. And, and I got it, punched. And it was great. Yeah. And you, you did your, 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 your fighty thing. And yep. uh, our, our sword person... Uh, who was a you know the the, the jade dragon princess trope sort of yep, thing? Yep. Um, you know did did something with her sword and it was amazing. And then this particular player pulled out I think like fifteen dice and was like I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna do this and I'm not gonna take any damage because of this. And he takes fourteen dice worth of damage. And I just stared at them. And they smirked at me. Uh, like, like, I win. Like, what are you going to do? I just beat you. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's enough story for the night. Yep. You know? I just, I, I, I it sapped any mm-hmm. desire to run. Because all of you were in the story. Yeah. You know, all of you built characters. And this person looked at the numbers and was like, this is how I'm going to win. Yeah. And that's, I will say... I have leaned I have leaned into moments where I have twinked something to go after a storyteller after being in a game and realizing this person is out there to kill the players. Mm-hmm. Like they they're on a power trip. Yeah. And it's now time to knock them down a block. And I looking back on that, I just shouldn't have been in that game. Mm-hmm. I should have just walked away from the game. Sure. Cuz there's it's it's not fun. You know, um but that's a growth thing. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And I, I won't play in games like that anymore. There's no enjoyment in it. Yeah. Um, unless it's well understood at the beginning, like, this is a dungeon crawl game. I'm planning on running a dangerous dungeon. The whole point is the dungeon's trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we now we know. Hey, but that was discussed in, ses- in session zero. Yeah. You're prepared for it. Right. You can at that point say, this is not my style of game, or I'm going to build a character that is meant for this environment. Yes. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I think that's the only time when it really flips for me. So yep. we got questions. We have questions. We have 15 minutes. All right. Pick a question. Um, you always throw, throw that at me. I'm throwing it back at you. Mad Elf joined the channel. So I'm going to go after Mad Elf's he question. He did, didn't he? How about how that? How do you just go with it for a min-maxed characters? And how do you prevent it from happening? How do you just go with it for min-maxed characters? How do you prevent it from happening? I don't know that you necessarily prevent it from happening. Maybe, maybe if, if, if you see it happening in a detrimental way, mm-hmm. maybe have a discussion with the player basically just letting them know like i see where you're going with that but this is not the type of game that we're running mm-hmm. you might find it more enjoyable to mix some social skills in there think about your background a little bit you know um i think some plot hooks. Yeah. i'm and and I, w- I would say phrase it probably more in the in the way of that you're concerned for the players you know happiness yeah. at, the, at the table yeah. you know I see you've built a character who's very, very good at combat, but I want you to understand that combat is only half of what we're going to be pursuing here. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of social play. There may be whole game sessions where combat doesn't happen. I want to ensure you're still going to be able to enjoy yourself in every game session. Right. So maybe can we can we think about rounding the character out a little bit? Yeah. I think for me, 
it is a lot of that, but it's also like, I look at players mm-hmm. and see like, is this player going to enjoy my story regardless mm-hmm. of what they play? Yeah. And I think for me, it doesn't matter if they're min-maxed or not. It shouldn't. That should only matter for me on how I roll out my encounters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if my players aren't min-maxed, I'm not going to min-max my encounters. I'm going to play with them and have a lot of fun with them, mm-hmm. um, which I still do. Uh, but I'm just going to do it more. If I have a player who is exceptionally numbers-heavy, I might lean into that for their encounters. Yeah, yes. Like, oh, they're a duelist. Great. I'm going to have duel scenes for them. We're going to have, like, a dozen duel scenes for the the Mm -hmm. D'Artagnan of this group. It's going to be fantastic. The rest of the characters, who are also swordsmen, who kind of suck at it, we're going to do those in a lot more fun ways. Yeah. You know? I'll I'll say this, Matt Elf. Um, Sometimes you find things, like, if, 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 if this particular character is a sorcerer that specializes in fire spells, Yes. you might sometimes throw them a curveball by making the enemies that they're fighting immune to fire and making them lean on other skills or something like that yes and sometimes you toss them some red meat by putting a bunch of highly flammable mummies in an an enclosed space and then you say you hear them say the center of the fireball goes here here. (laughs) all right your question draven would like to ask uh do you ever think it's appropriate to tell someone they're building their character too efficiently and it's making it hard to balance content my first response is uh, LTP, learn to play. Um, as a storyteller, remember that you are in control of the game. You have ultimate authority on how the how the balance of the game can happen. Yeah. The second part of that is I know your pain. I yeah. feel it. And sometimes I think you want to talk to players in a group where one is super efficient and the rest of them maybe aren't. That's, I think, where, where, where I I think a lot of this pain for this question comes in for me, is when you have one player who min-maxes and all the rest just want to play the game. Right. And I think for that, you run a much larger risk of them playing the numbers game every time you play the game. Mm-hmm. But that's the game they want to play. That's what they really enjoy. That's their psychological tweak. That's what tickles their mind. That's the roller coaster they like to ride. But, okay, and and I get that. Mm -hmm. And I get that. And I don't disagree with you that everybody at your table should be having fun. Mm -hmm. But, first off, remember that the storyteller is a player. Mm -hmm. And so, if it's not being fun for you, at what point do you sacrifice your fun to make sure that your players are having fun? You don't sacrifice it. You... you make it work for you, and that takes a lot to figure out and takes time. It, it does, and, and, and that's because because I've run into a bit of that with my game, mm-hmm. where there are certain encounters where you guys just have the, like, someone has that one skill that just, you know, they just handle the thing, and mm-hmm. you're like... That was that wasn't even like remotely challenging. Like to the point where all the dramatic tension of the scene as I wrote it was completely obliterated, and it became a minor speed bump for you instead of a a dramatic point. You know, Mm -hmm. and that's like that. It's really disheartening. No, one hundred percent. I agree, one hundred percent. No different than when you write up a master riddle and you have all these things. You're like, okay, they're gonna find this, and then that's gonna lead them to this, and that's gonna lead to this. And instead, they literally read the first riddle and they're like, oh, it's this guy, and they go right to the guy's house and, based on trivial information, capture them. And you're like, now they have the main villain. Great. Like, I, I, what do I do now? Did we do that? It's It's a oddly specific example. It's it's happened. (laughs) Now I feel kind of bad. Don't, because as a storyteller, I had to then stop. Just like any other situation, you have to stop, roll your mind back, and say, okay, 
how can I be better? Mm -hmm. Because you're a player. You have to figure out what's, what is the change that you need to make? Sure, sure. And sometimes the story just goes on. It does. You know, like, okay, so you missed that one dramatic point. That doesn't mean your game is over. You know, make make a next dramatic thing. Learn from it. Roll with it. You know, right. so that's kind of where I'm at right now is... is One of the best things that I read, and I think this is important, and I think it's something that um, that is a great way to open a game if you want to paint a good picture of how your game's going to go is you start the game with pre-scenes. Not mm-hmm. with the characters. You have the characters make their characters, so you know what the players are like. Mm-hmm. And then the first session zeros that have nothing to do with, with their characters are pretense stories, and you hand them sheets, and you say, the walls of the castle are crumbling. Fireballs are coming over, and a dragon flies high overhead. Hard smoke burns the heart, burns through the lungs of all of your gar- as guards as you're around. You are currently at a half-broken wall, and banging on the other side is splintering the wood. And they're literally guards outside the castle. And they're like, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. You know? You know, well, you know, you are Captain Aurelius. You are Lieutenant So-and-so. You guys are Scrap Guard A and B. You know, you this is your little bits of life that you know of. Ah, uh, yes, the epic and tale of Aurelius die. and so-and-so. <laughs> and they die. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they get to a position, maybe they don't, but either way, they die. Mm-hmm. You know, or they get away. But whatever, it's something that they can get used to the world and your style, and mm-hmm. you get to learn them a little bit. Yeah, okay. Okay. And then at that point, now you know the gauge of where things will be, but you have to give them that that decency at the front to fail mm-hmm. and understand that these are throwaways and just to see where they go with it. Okay. Okay. That's not a bad idea. I think with seasoned players mm-hmm. who are making their own characters, it's good. Yeah. I think with new character, with new players who don't even know a system, you might not get the exact same effects out of it. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm but. sure because they're going to be spending so much time trying to figure out the system. Then, right. You know. All right. Knox has got some questions here. All right, so um, min-maxing. Yes. Uh, to my way of thinking, seems like a very cool and calculated way to play. Since people aren't always so calculated, do you find that having a richer backstory or moral compass to drive character choices actually might be something that negates min-maxing organically? Uh, choice X might have a better outcome, but isn't something my character would do. Uh, yeah. Mm, no, yeah, that no, makes I, sense. absolutely. I, I think, I think min-maxing is more of a character creation thing than a gameplay thing in most aspects. Um, Min-maxing isn't always about making the choices that are most efficient, but rather building your character to do something in the most efficient way. And then always doing that. Yeah. And then try to manipulate the situation so that you're always in that situation Mm -hmm. where you're always the best tool for the job. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I... We've said it kind of in the in the course of the discussion that um you know just because you min max doesn't mean you can't role play mm-hmm. and the two the two go, actually go well hand in hand. Mm-hmm. It's when they stop going hand in hand that you start straying into power gaming and whatnot. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, I think there's there's an aspect of metagaming to that where you're looking from the from the outside as a game choice of yeah. like which is going to be the most optimal choice than rather what would my character do. Yeah, that's more of a metagaming problem than it yeah. is a min-maxing problem. I liked a story where there was a face who basically uh, could could, be, could walk into any situation mm-hmm. and was like a master face. That was what they were 
what how, they could slice or hack into something simply they could you know they had good uh hand skills so that they could pull out ids and things like that or steal real quick mm-hmm. and they had the best face mm-hmm. and literally walked into a scenario where the first thing that happened was like the, they walked in the door thinking they were going to slip past all the stuff and get into this room and steal something and they opened the door and the face is sneaking in the door and he's just like he opens the door and it's someone who knows him and they look like oh marcus and he goes <sighs> walks over to the couch sits down pulls out a cigarette taps it lights it and like the fighters all look at him like what are you doing it's not my job anymore love and literally that's what he did for the scene oh he geez. literally just sat down and had a cigarette while a fight happened because he was useless <laughs> But he role-played that he was useless. Yeah, 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 Like, he yeah. kept in character. You're doing great. Seriously. Just keep that up. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, no blood on the jacket. I oh, need this jacket. Oh, watch out behind you. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Oh, he's yeah. going to feel that in the morning. Exactly. Like, and and that was the thing about his character was he role-played through it. That, yeah. Like, this is all I'm good at. Like, I don't know why I got hired for this job. I'm literally useless. Mm-hmm. You know? And he would always play that he's useless, but he has that one or two things that he's really good at. Sure, you know? sure, sure, sure. Like, how do you have one of these cards? I swiped it from the guy in the lobby. You what? Yeah. The armed guy. Yeah. I'm not going to ask. No, you probably shouldn't. You probably shouldn't. What? Didn't he keep that in his... Don't ask what pocket it was in. I have it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the kind of thing. You get to those moments. So yeah, I think think it helps a lot. Uh Uh-huh. Um... Does it starting uh, starting players on a higher level encourage min-maxing? Should they not miss out on the experience of being low-level nobodies, an experience that might make them appreciate the personal character struggles and the world that they are struggling in? Okay, so that's, that's two questions. Does starting players at a higher level encourage min-maxing? Yes. Yes. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Because you're talking about levels, period. Mm-hmm. That That's what leans it into that. Already, when you're telling somebody that they're, they're starting at level 12, they're already starting to do the math on what can I fit in 12 levels. You're, you're already starting with a number. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, if you start if, if you start by saying, you're a, band, you're a traveling band of minstrels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I've got a character idea. Mm-hmm. And then let them drag that out of you of like, right. okay, well, okay, minstrels, we're playing D&D, so it probably means bards, but not necessarily. No, you don't have to be a bard. No. Nope. Okay. You're just, your profession will be an entertainer of some sort. What if you're all clerics? You could just be like gospel singers. Yeah. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Something, whatever. Okay. What, what level are we playing with here? Okay. Right. Now, now we're getting that. Yeah. But, but I've already started you out on a character concept. Right. Now you're going to try to make your character fit your concept, not dealing with a bunch of numbers. Yeah. And now, if you start at as low level, will you get? Will you appreciate the personal struggles in that world? Yeah, sure. But I think that happens. You have to be in the world to appreciate it, regardless yeah, of what exactly. level you are. Yeah. I mean, my current game, you guys started out pretty high level in this new area, but you're stumbling because you don't. You're you're different because we're fish out of water. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're pretty close here. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, I mean, starting them out at lower level does, uh, but, but you don't always have to do that to get them to appreciate things. A good, good world building, I think can do that for you. All right. Next week topic, how to get characters to interact with one each other. Encouraging role play at the table. That'll be a fun one for us to discuss. All right. You can find us on Twitter at ST underscore conclave on Instagram, ST underscore conclave. Uh, you're listening to us live every Wednesday night at 7 PM Eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And you can find the uh, the link to our Discord in our Twitter or up on our website at uh, storyteller-conclave.blueberry.net. 
come join the Discord, join us in the discussion. Please do. I mean, it's so much fun to see everybody talk back and forth, um, especially our Patreon members, Knox, Sam, and the Arcane Asylum. We love having you guys. Please continue joining us in our live chats. Uh, it's one of the most fun things that we have. And we'd like to thank uh, the Mad Elf for joining us this month, as it was his winning month for uh, being able to uh, jump in the chat. I hope you really enjoyed it, and we hope to see you more. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrogmusic.webly.com. Our outro music, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine slash tracks. A big, big uh, shout-out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean, for supporting us. All of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years, and you, each and every one of our listeners, we love you so much. Thank you. Good night. Good night, everybody. And be safe. We love you all.